Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast, powered by SpannersReady.com, bringing you F1 blogs, reviews, podcasts, and occasionally news. Today's episode is called Reversion to the Mean. Joining me tonight in the podcasting shed. Reminiscing this and that, having such a good time. Oodle-lally, oodle-lally, golly, what a day. It's Matt to Rumpets. How's it going, Matt? Uh, it's going pretty well. Say, who's being mean? I've got no idea. What are you on about? Uh, you said the title was Reversion to the Mean. Oh, no. Uh, I think uh, I think, I think what you've done there is you've confused two similar sounding words with different meanings. That's, oh, you mean like mean and mean? Yeah, that's how I came up with the hilarious title before the race for the Hungry preview of Hamilton Hungry for More Success in the Hungarian GP. See what I did? Two different I... meanings, but... I meant as thi- as in things returning to the mean. Uh, do you know what I observed this week, Matt? Jensen Button fans are just as tetchy as Lewis Hamilton fans when pressed. Well, I think all fans are just as tetchy when it's their driver getting the treatment now. Isn't that the case? Yeah, I know, it's- but people don't generally like come out and slam, slam Jensen Button, do they? Because he's nice gentleman driver Jensen Button. Well, this is true. Generally, he gets left alone. Occasionally, someone makes fun of him bemoaning his lack of grip. Oh, my God. Didn't he just become a parody of the Missed Apex version of uh, of Jensen Button when he came out complaining about, well, there's just, it's weird. There's grip and then suddenly there's just no grip. Yeah, he, he did kind of uh, fulfill his stereotype from the podcasting point of view. That's absolutely true. But we've had the Fat Hippo post anti-Hamilton, not anti-Hamilton, but, you know, biased not, as not a Hamilton fan stuff on the site and we got a, a lot of abuse for that and then a Fortis that will remain unnamed made the case in an article for 
Jensen Button to retire. And it was it was pretty one sided. He was making the case for the prosecution. And boy, boy, did the Internet get upset. Angry Jensen fans say, oh, this is so biased. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, yeah, it is. It's an opinion piece. It's the it's bias against. And so <laughs> there's only so many times I could sort of type. Yeah, I think I think he knew it was bias. Yeah, well, you know, this is this is the thing. When when people are in love with a driver, the blinders go on and they take everything personally. But I'll tell you what, the, the numbers were so high that you can see why people sort of why publishers and editors of websites kind of go, Wow, that got a lot of views. Let's continue being mean about people or you know, you get the journalism you deserve, I guess. Yeah, well, but then unfortunately, you get the you get the comments that come along with it, and not all of them are aimed at furthering the discussion. No, do you know what? I I can't deal with mean comments. I'm really bad at that. So from now on, we're just going to be nice about everyone all the time. And do you know what you can get here at Missed Apex Podcast? You get a timely podcast. We might be wrong, but we're first. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. The show is safe for work. We're keeping it clean here so you can play it with kids in the background. Details on how to join the conversation to follow. Let's bring some guests along. First, we've got Chris Stevens. How's it going, Chris? Hey, it's great, mate. Uh, as uh, as I promised, I'm playing Pokemon Go during the podcast. Well, hang so on I'm a minute. An eye on that. How can you play Pokemon Go in your room? Don't you have to go out and find Pokemon? I'm hoping a Pokemon will just sort of come to me if I use a bit of incense. Since uh, when does he go out his room? I was going to say, you don't, that's true. you don't really strike me as an outdoors person. No, I only ever really go outdoors for races. That's true. I've seen better tans on an emulsion wall. <laughs> <laughs> and the laughter in the background is, uh, is another, another youngster, Ryan Ferret Ferris. How's it going, Ryan? I'm doing great, thanks. What about you? Well, do you know, because you because you always commentate, and I think, well, if somebody who comes across as poorly as Ryan Ferris can do commentary, you know, maybe I could maybe I could have a shot. I was commentary curious, so I've sent my audition tapes into Downforce Radio. Yeah, I think it would be a uh, absolute banter if me and you were to uh, commentate or something. Well, um, uh, Tom Brooks uh, kindly sent some sim racing to me, and I overlaid my attempt at commentary. And I thought, well, I could cheat and and do it a couple of times. But I, I sent I sent in my raw recording, and I found myself at one point saying, as they climb up the hill to the corner that I don't know the name of, and I feel that would happen a lot during my commentary. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of revision that goes on before doing some uh, co- commentary. Homework. That yeah. sucks. Welcome to the chat room who've joined us after the Hungarian Grand Prix to get their opinions in. Remember, you can call in on 0115888 Apex. Turn your phone on. So, pre-race tidbits, Matthew. Quite a lot of news before this Grand Prix. We found out that cider company, Strongbow, bought Sauber. How exciting. Yes, it's very exciting, except for it's actually much more boringly Longbow Finance SA, a Swiss investment banking company, which is every bit as exciting as you think it might be. Now, is, is it that they are an actual firm like a, a banking firm that everyone knew of beforehand or it's not like um like janai who bought lotus and it's just like a group of investors who've come under a board and said right here's our name it's janai Let, let's let's invest or are they like a pucker gen company that people have heard of well i i went poking around it and i'll be honest not a lot of information about them existed on google when i took a quick look yeah 
And that's all I really had time for. But I think they're around. I get there was some talk today that the um, or perhaps it was yesterday at Quali that the that they are somehow associated with Ericsson's sponsors. Uh huh. Which is why he could afford to crash his car in qualifying because they actually could replace it this weekend. Oh, there's no end, is there? So that's it. Ericsson's here forever. Do you know what? We've already upset my the Swedish listeners. We've not no Swedish listeners anymore. So I can go, oh, sigh. So we're stuck with Ericsson then for another season at least. Yeah, I would say for the foreseeable future. Okay, let's move on then, Chris. Uh, Rumours that Ross Braun were, was going to go and rescue Ferrari quickly quashed. Yeah, this was something I asked him about at, um, at Goodwood. Um, not specifically about Ferrari. I said, is there any chance he'll be back in the F1 paddock? And, uh, and, and he said, no, not a single chance. Wait a minute. And, Wait um, a minute. Sorry. I know you were at Goodwood because you've talked of it often. Were you, was this a press conference with Ross Braun or were you just stood next to him? No, no, this was, um, this was just an, uh, an, a quick interview I, I, I did because I know, I know he's busy. I didn't want to keep up too much of his time, but, um, yeah, we were talking, um, about it and, um, he said there wasn't like any chance at all. It'll happen. So I was a little bit surprised to hear that Ferrari had uh, approached Braun, to be honest. Um, he's not only said it to me, he said it a lot of times in the past that Formula One isn't really on his uh, agenda right now because, you know, Formula One is a 24-7 commitment and that's not really something he is prepared to, to give um, anymore. So Ferrari trying to find this compromise you know, for him to uh, allow him to maybe have an advisory role on the technical side of things, so that he can have his input. But yeah, it, I don't think that's going to work. I think unless you no. offer Ross Braun the job of God of F one, as far as yeah. our team is concerned, he's not interested. Uh, and and has he got the emotional energy to start Braun GP again? No. So that in that way, there's no real good fit for him. Uh, you could see how uncomfortable it was with the the triumvirate of the Mercedes uh, top bosses. That That's not, he's a name above the shed kind of guy. See, I'm obsessed with sheds. Name above the garage kind of guy. Okay, um, I'm seeing something in the show, note, show notes about that that doesn't look interesting, but you might make it. So Red Bull make a deal with IBM Spectrum, data branding. Yes, well, here's the thing. We were talking last week on the unbelievably fascinating tech talk about yeah. how Mercedes has stolen a real advantage by leveraging their partner's knowledge. And it turns out that there was not one, not two, but three major sponsor deals announced at Silverstone. Red Bull with IBM, McLaren with NTT Communications, and Ferrari with Luxottica, maker of eyewear, specifically Ray-Ban. And it just occurred to me that one of those deals was not like the other two. And I, I could see... Red Bull leveraging IBM to yeah. do better with their information storage and technology. And certainly McLaren with the communications firm, which is it, it referenced a deal as network cloud and data management. So you can see them following in Mercedes footsteps. And then you have Ferrari putting fancy sunglasses on their car. Yeah, but you got to look good. you got to look which, good, haven't you? Yeah, well, I'm sure Vettel is happy about that because his image is always his foremost concern. But I don't see how they're going to turn it into the actual performance advantage on track, unlike the other two deals. 
Okay, and sort of slightly related, people have been talking about the Italian Civil War, and I was quite surprised to see the talk of Imola coming back, and and then they're talking about it actually replacing Monza. I didn't realise that was that was the thing that they were going to replace Monza with Imola. That would be a disaster in my mind, because I see Monza as it's the anti Monaco, which I'm not a fan of. If you've got really fast racing cars, you want at least one showcase where it's all about raw speed. Ryan, you've got to be a Monza fan, haven't you? No, I'm not. Oh. Well, no, I... I'm going to hang up on you then. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm I'm not really a big fan of Monza. I prefer Imola out of the two. Um, just because it produces a lot more like entertaining races where it just seems, if I watch back from Monza... Like the races at Monza recently haven't been that amazing. Yeah, I'm sorry. I have to interject, if I may, because I absolutely love Monza. I think it is. It it holds a, a, a sense of classic Formula One about it, whilst bringing in the the, the modern um, side of it. I think it's a fantastic track. I, I disagree with the with the premise that it's produced boring races in the past few years i think we've had great races there recently and some of the highlights of the season come at monza and i have to you know say that i i i don't like the a lot of top people in formula one want it off the calendar um and i strongly disagree with the idea that there should be no italian grand prix because that's lunacy when you think about the Tifosi and, you know, just Ferrari's history in the sport. There was a, you know, an idea that that wouldn't happen. But I have to say, if Monza has to go, which it might do simply because it can't afford Formula One, Imola is probably the next best place to have it. Oh, it, w- it would be a real shame because it's it's a celebration of, of speed and F1. Go on, Ryan, continue with your incorrect point before we move on. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you say all this about, oh, yeah, the, where will the Defosi go? They'll just go to Imola. I mean, the circuit is named after Renzo's son. Is it something like Circuit de Dino Imola or something along those Ooh, lines? Oh, you've brought it alive with the Italian accent there, Ryan. Um, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's... It's going to, it would be an awesome uh, circuit. We've seen awesome racing from different categories, and I think uh, we've seen in the past it's produced awesome racing. Okay, guys, we're going to have to move along now. I know there was another item, but there was rather exciting qualifying. It took forever! Was my television broken? Did I really see F1 cars in the rain? It was a marathon Q1. I believe that it took over an hour, did it not, in the end for it to be settled, to the point that I had to then go off and take my kids somewhere and basically watch the race via our WhatsApp chat. What was going on, Chris? Uh, well, lots of, lots and lots of surprise rain. It was, it was so bizarre. It really just formed out of um, nowhere in the space of 20 minutes. These uh, rain showers collected and just thundered down onto the circuit well so, um sorry i'm sorry to interrupt but it didn't it didn't form out of nowhere uh, what what happens is the sea gets okay. warm and moisture evaporates and then those small molecules meet up with other small molecules and then when it meets cooler air uh, it then forms you know, clouds and low pressure areas and that creates a weather front 
Has, has your son just started doing geography? Did he teach you that? Maybe. You carry on. You carry on. You carry on with your point. <laughs> oh, dear. So, um, basically, um, what it, um, yeah, what, what it meant, we had a bit of a delay to qualifying of uh, 20 minutes. And then when they did actually get out there, when the rain stopped, it started coming down all over again and much, much worse. So, after a further delay, we finally get them all back out there. We got red flag after red flag after red flag for um who was the first to to uh crash with ericsson uh was the first to go at turn uh turn 10 um e- easy flat in the dry uh completely different story in the wet uh, i think harry anto went um yeah there as well when they were going on to the intermediates a little bit later and um felipe had a bit of a shunt there as well um and th- those red flags they cost Renault were the big were the big losers um, in that because they had something up their sleeve which they kind of let slip in FP3 and um, ended up both of them out in Q1. Yeah, because they were they were doing well in practice, weren't they? It looked like it was going to be their weekend, and that seemed to be reflected in the race. Also worth noting that it doesn't look good for Rio Harianto. Just as I'd started to get behind him, just as I'd started to really come and go Rio campaign, uh, I was about I was about to start Kickstarter, GoFundMe. It looks like uh, Stoffel van Dorn is going to take over mid-season, which, although it's sad for Rio, that's going to be an amazing young driver battle between Stoffel van Dorn and Pascal Wehrlein. It might not be. Were you going to say the same thing, Ryan? Uh, yeah, I was going to say that there's been hints towards Alexander Rossi for the, uh, yeah. the uh, final end of the season. Uh, they, uh, Sky F1 spoke to Eric Boulier about this, and he, he said, no, as far as I know, we're not letting him uh, go. Although, if they give us a little bit of, uh, you know, money or something like that, we might just let him do the rest of the season. But as far as I've heard, it's uh, Alexander Rossi might be uh, doing the end of the season. Oh, yeah. yeah f- frankly, I wouldn't have let Rossi uh, go at the end of last season in the first place. But it, I, what I loved about, um, you know, Rossi was that, you know, he gets, you know, drops from Manor for, um, you know, a Mercedes prodigy and somebody with a lot of money. And then he goes and wins the Indy 500, the 100th running of the Indy 500, <laughs> which, which just saw his uh, stock market go up like crazy. Um, I've also heard Jordan King. As a name being linked to that, obviously he's the Mana um, reserve driver in GP2 at the moment. Um, I spoke to him at Goodwood as well, and um, he he isn't you know really expecting a call from Mana anytime soon. He's well, not that he was saying to me anyway. Uh, he is really just focusing on his GP2 campaign. So I'd say it's between those two more than more than Stoffel, to be honest. Well, guys, if you want to find out more about young drivers, I, I would could recommend worse places to go than SpannersReady.com and find Chris Turner, Catman F1's Guide to the F1 Stars of Tomorrow. He broke down the careers and prospects of all the drivers you saw at the Silverstone tests. Silverstone. Matthew, shall we address the elephant in the room of qualifying in Q3? Lewis Hamilton on a stonker already on provisional pole, four tenths up, has to avoid a spinning McLaren of Fernando Alonso, who for some reason, don't know what he thought he was doing there, delusions of grandeur, had bullied his way into Q3. Well, that's because the McLaren was actually doing quite well around the Hungaro ring. Yes. No surprise to Summers. Yes, no surprise to Summers F1, who was 
who had, had bet that they were going to beat Force India. And ultimately, he's right. But I must say that McLaren have shown that Inchangeable can mix up scenarios on a track that hides their fundamental flaws. They can sort of do okay. Well, now, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but McLaren now properly reckoned that they are faster power unit-wise than a 2015 Ferrari engine. Wow, Chris. That was their bold statement post-race. Oh, I wasn't going to say, that was just my agreeing finger. So your agreeing finger looks <laughs> like a, a lot like finger. your I would like to get in finger. Okay. Unlike no, Lewis's no, that's, get that's out of this. the way finger. Ooh. <laughs> We can address the Lewis finger now or later. Uh, right, okay, let's do, uh, let's do what happened with Nico Rosberg because there was some controversy. Obviously, Lewis couldn't set a time. He was right there. He had to lift off completely and it's double waved yellows. He had to go around. His lap was scrubbed. Uh, the three or four cars coming through behind, their laps uh, were affected. But Nico Rosberg managed to come through, lift off enough, apparently, allegedly, at turn eight, and still set pole. Now, initially, you know, you're thinking is, how can he possibly lift off, set a purple sector, and get pole position when everyone else had to abandon uh, that lap? But Matt, was it as straightforward as that? No, it wasn't. At least one other person really kept on it, and that would have been Sebastian Vettel. Except for he came across Button, who properly abandoned his lap, yeah. And was stymied from getting a better time. In fact, he felt like he had P3 in the bag were it not for Button. And he, he actually referenced Button's perhaps having fallen asleep and not getting out of his way, which was entertaining in and of itself. But there's really there's a lot to unpack here. Yeah, I mean, go, first go of all, it. to be very clear, the standards for double waved yellow are that you have to slow and be prepared to stop. It's not enough to slow. It's not enough to slow significantly. You really have to be ready to put the binders on full and stop moving forward. Because the that ind- is the standard in the International Sporting Code. Yeah, what ahead. you're being told by the double yellow is there could be a car on the track, so an actual obstruction, a car or a marshal on the track or equipment. Bingo. There, yeah. There's there's someone exposed on the track and if you lose control of your car you could do a great deal of damage to them so so yeah go on so it's a serious flag to see when you are racing yep so initially toto wolf said he lifted and lost seven tenths but that that can't quite be right can it well here's the problem in my mind your calculation is inherently complicated because the track was evolving so rapidly going yeah. from wet to dry you can't just look at your first run in Q3 and compare it to your second run in Q3 because the second runs were much faster lewis in fact was 4 tenths up on the yeah. first part of yeah. his run so you've got to so, think that nico would be 3 tenths 4 tenths up as well So what it comes down to is how they actually run the double wave yellows, which is they have, unlike the big sectors most of us are used to thinking about, they have 20 different, roughly around 20 to 25 different martial posts, and the sectors are divided into these mini segments. Mm -hmm. So the double wave yellow does not necessarily apply over a whole sector anymore. It applies to the short, more localized area. And thankfully for us at the post-race conference, the issue was brought up again, and and I think Lewis very rightfully said they need to clarify the standard because it looks like exactly what you said. Rosberg lifted, lost a tenth according to most accounts, and went on to set a purple sector two 
and take pole position away. Doesn't look like the FIA is supporting the standard of slow down and be prepared to stop in any way, shape, or form. However, Rosberg responded that he dropped 20 kilometers into the apex of turn number eight. And as he came off of that, the flags came off of his steering wheel, meaning that he was now on a green track and had full license to go as fast as he wanted to. And I think for both him and Vettel, that was the case. He hit the start of the double wave yellows, and then he was he was released to go racing again, which is how the system with its little mini sectors is designed to work. So there's as little impact on the racing as possible. The problem for me is that FIA looks very bad by not putting this information out in its judgment as to him being clear. They just said telemetry states. Well, telemetry is one thing. Optics is quite another. It looks like he barely slowed down. And the signal being sent to young drivers is it looks like you have to barely slow down. They, if, if that's really the case and that's really what happened, they need to be very clear about how much he lifted and when the double wave yellows were lifted for him. Because otherwise, it just does not look right. See, I believe that um, he did li- he did lift uh, substantially um, as uh, he came through the chicane and the revs were up. And then the moment he saw the double wave yellows, all of a sudden the, dro- the revs dropped and he began to slow down. So to me, the, the, the sounds of what the car was making sounded as though he did actually make a valiant effort into lifting off and slowing down. And so he went through the first couple of corners and then saw that there was nothing there. And so we thought, well, I'm going to be at the end of the sector. And then so sort of gradually built up speed to see that there was nothing there. So got back on it again. Okay, I wonder if Chris agrees then with Cartist72 in the chat room who's saying that drivers put Marshall's lives at risk when they ignore double-waved yellows. But I think the case we're seeing is that perhaps we thought it was double-waved yellows, but for him it was green. Well, he certainly arrived at the perfect point where as he turns into turn uh, nine, the yellow flag is gone. So from that moment on, he can push again. And I somewhat agree with Ryan in that he made some attempt to slow down when he saw the yellow at turn A, but not a significant one. I certainly don't think he was prepared to stop, which is the crucial Interesting. You know, part yeah. of the double wave yellow. Yeah. That said, I do, you know, given the kind of grey area that we're in yeah. with the changing track conditions, I think it's right that he wasn't penalized but it's something we need to clarify for the future yeah, it's definitely a gray area and it and to be fair technically the the obstruction was gone by the time he got there i mean the question mark is how did it appear to him and what action did he take because in a way he's, he's a lucky boy that it cleared in time and that alonso got away he, he could easily have stalled i suppose uh, it, and he's lucky that the stewards agreed with him that he did lift enough. But I suppose from a spectator point of view, we just have to trust the stewards, Matt. Yeah, and that's the thing. This is the difficulty with this standard. Is ultimately, it relies on the judgment and discretion of both the stewards and the drivers. And you can't really know. But if we had access to the to, to telemetry, if we knew when the double yellows disappeared from Rosberg's screen, and then we knew when he accelerated it would be very easy to decide whether he'd done anything wrong. 
But regardless of that, I think what's important is it has to be transparent, especially in a case like this, where people's lives are really on the line. Because it's, it's one thing for a Formula One driver, but you've got, you've got kids in the lower formula who will see this and think one thing when actually it's another. It needs to be made very plain to them. And in fact, my understanding is they're, they're held to a much stricter standard in the lower formula, but you, you don't want to give them any wrong ideas about it because people's lives are at risk, especially the marshals when they're on track. It's, it's a, it's a good point with the marshals, especially considering, you know, the most serious injuries that happen in formula one, um, you know, since, you know, the early two thousands has been regarding marshals, you know, marshal safety is, um, paramount um in situations like this and um you're right it is it is kind of odd how junior formula are, are kind of kept to a, a different standard you know they'll they'll sort of come into to formula one and think they can get away with things that they really shouldn't be able to get away with so it needs stamping out okay should we move it along there matt yeah and we can talk about the real controversy of qualifying you want to talk about this 107% thing, don't you? Just briefly. Oh, can we? Can it be briefly? Because I really don't think the public in general cares. Oh, uh, well, perhaps they don't. But I found it to be a rather entertaining dumpster fire of mm. stewarding decisions that particular afternoon. You've got 60 that, seconds with a, with a music bed. Yeah, no worries. Very easy. What happened was several of the runners in Q3 failed to set a time in Q1 that was 100 within 107% of the fastest Q1 time. That's because Q1 took an hour, and by the time they were setting their last times, it was on slick tires and not full wets. Regardless, the way the rules are written, those drivers should have been started from the back in the order in which they were classed in the third free practice. The stewards made an exception that wasn't actually written into the rules, and let them start where they qualify. Now, they do have larger authority under the International Sporting Code, and I think it would have made more sense to use that as a justification. But regardless, it just goes to show you how poorly written, or not entirely well thought out, many of the regulations the teams have to follow are. Chris, do you agree with him? Go on, last word. Well, there was the, there was the thing about the Q1 runners had to start in P, FP3 order, which just so happened to be the order they were in anyway, um, which is very fortunate because if that had been changed, but those who progressed to Q2 and Q3 were not changed, there would have been hell to pay, uh, not only from the teams, but from the fans as well, because it's very wrong for us to, you know, turn off qualify for, for a fan to turn off qualifying and then six hours later find the grid looks completely different. So we got away with it this time, but, you know, again clarity is needed yeah the the nut of the problem is the rule is written to cover both people who haven't set a time and people whose time is more than 107 percent and and that's that's something that ought to be addressed by the fia something else that needs addressing the race please consider visiting our partner origin Combine incredible PC game selections with features that make your favourite pastime even better, and voila, you've got 
origin. Click on the link on the homepage at spannersready.com for great deals. There's Mirror's Edge. If you pre-order that and you click through the link, you get like a free pack with, I don't know, a free uniform or skin or or something, I don't know. I don't get to play games anymore. That's my problem. Major talking points of the race. The opening was rather polite, wasn't it, Matt? Well, sure. There was hardly any running into each other at all, which was... Disappointing. (laughs) Vaguely disappointing. Yes, I agree. But not entirely surprising, given given the way the various people at the front started. I was dying to play. Oh, no, you hit your buddy. But they actually got quite an even start because, uh, I don't know, they were saying, oh, Hamilton's got a better start. But actually, as they got into the braking zone, uh, they were pretty much as they were with Rosberg with his nose ahead. And Lewis was pretty scruffy uh, on the braking. His, his car was kind of, you know, really on the edge. He had to do a lot of work to hold that lead. Uh, into the corner and then Ricardo did fantastically around the corner and so Rosberg just found himself with nowhere to go yes he was in a Red Bull Mercedes sandwich and it turned out he was the meat that time round well I was going to also with a good start was Sebastian Vettel he lost out actually because the start was so good he was sort of driving into a wedge and had nowhere to go um so it's a little bit unfortunate for him because he got stuck in p5 yeah, yeah. I was going to say the other person who had a really very good start was Verstappen until he ran out of real estate on the inside of Lewis yes. and wound up right back where he started. Oh, that was I was I was thinking there's no there's no way he's going to try it. No. Uh, do you think Lewis was a little aggressive blocking that or was that fair enough? No, no. Verstappen was driving 20... into a disappearing gap, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. But he definitely he definitely if he'd had a little more real estate would have been properly alongside Lewis. Yeah, it was good news. And then credit where it's due, Rosberg said, no, 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 I need desperately uh, to be here. And we've seen some fantastic racing on turn two in the past in Hungary, haven't we? And and he just sort of, he he almost out, outbroke, outbraked Lewis as well into that second corner. And Lewis was scruffy getting onto the power out of turn two. It could very easily have been Rosberg leading up the hill into turn four. Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a brilliant move around the outside, and then what we have seen is people go from the outside of turn two to go to the inside of turn three because that's just where you end up being on in that position if you take make that move. And then Matt, that that really kind of set us up for the race, did it not? Yeah, with a remarkable lack of safety cars or anything on fire. It was it was very much in, in the way of modern Formula One when nothing goes wrong for anybody. It was pretty much you're racing for the first three or four turns and then you're waiting for the pit stops to come along. Now, see, we weren't going to really get into this, but a lot of people were saying it was a boring race. And, and that's what my feed was filled with. And I don't know. I don't know if it's a generational thing. But to me, that was a very typical, like a classic F1 test match style uh, strategic battle, very similar to the kind of races I grew up watching, you know, in the very late 80s, early 90s. And to me, that was a, that was a classic F1 race. But people like Chris were saying that, you know, they weren't particularly entertained by that form of racing. I've seen entertaining strategy races, but this one just didn't it, it didn't excite me. It was it was bland and the fact that you know you you come out behind the pits behind someone and you were basically stuck there like we saw with max and with kimmy that's how it used to be that's how it used to be all the time but how did you put up with this it was just for decades and then schumacher came along and we had to put up with that go on matt 
Well, I, I've been thinking a lot about this. Is that part of what makes sport interesting is the unpredictability of it. And today we had a race that was entirely predictable once it finished. And the thing is, with the strategy being similar amongst all of the top teams, it really just came down to execution. And except for a few rather heart-stopping moments, I imagine, for Mercedes, from the outside looking in, it was everybody more or less handled their position that they were given, you know, Kimmy made it up to about where you would expect him to, given where he started, blah, blah, blah. But behind the scenes, it was sort of an epic battle of trying to keep everything on rails with not much margin either side for things to go wrong. The difference is this time, basically, things didn't go wrong for people. Ryan, did you enjoy it? I, I, I don't know. It was a bit meh. I think what it is, is uh, I've, I've sort of grown up with uh, the Schumacher dominance. And then we got like the brilliant racing that was during the V8 era where we had like 2012 and all that sort of stuff. And I think what it's been is we've been spoiled by the quality of racing that happened then. That racing now, had we been watching that race, say, 20 years ago, we'd be saying, yeah, that was a brilliant race. But uh, now because we've been spoiled with what happened a few years ago, it's not as good. You know what it's like? It's like when I watch a movie with my daughter, a movie that I recall finally from my childhood as being brilliant and fascinating and full of action. And after the first five minutes, she's fallen asleep and or grabbed her phone because the scenes were so much longer back then. I think everybody's attention yep. span is different now. And if we don't have lots of active wheel to wheel combat, people rate it as boring. But there was a lot going on underneath the surface that should not be overlooked. And for to take one example we're going to talk about later, yeah. let's just discuss for a moment Lewis Hamilton getting locked up behind Esteban Gutierrez around lap 52, such to the point okay. that his two, two and a half second lead was down to about half a second when he came back onto the straight to start lap 53. And the subsequent gesture of recognition that he imparted to the Mexican as he went by. Now, he can stand there after the race and say, oh, yeah, I was just chillaxing the whole time. But I beg to differ, at least on that lap. I don't think he was very chillaxing at all. I think he was getting a bit stressed about how close Rosberg was getting to his gearbox. Daddy, what does that finger mean? Yeah, thanks, Lewis. Cheers. Nice one. But why did they replay it? Why, why did they replay it on the world feed? Like, just... Come on. I don't know. Why did you publish an article critical of button spanners? Because he's really old and he's got no grip. <laughs> Leave Jensen alone. Leave <laughs> Jensen alone. I won't get into that. I've rather lost my train of thought, but Chris, you have your hand up. Yes. Did anyone see Esteban call Lewis out on Twitter? Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. That was rather unprofessional. Well, did you not? Surely, surely if you have something to say about it, go and say it to him. Don't call the guy out on Twitter. In, in, in Esteban's defense, Lewis flipped him the bird on. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. National TV to it, millions of people. Gutierrez's is... defense, Esteban was in the way. Yeah, but he's got a Twitter account. And if someone had flipped me the bird on telly, you know I'd be tweeting about it. No, I'd have just done it back. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, because two yeah. wrongs always make a right. You know what I on. actually I actually learned when I used to race bikes. I used to to ride in traffic, and you would get a remarkable panoply of hand signals and verbal salutations from drivers who were unhappy with your presence. A, a friend of mine taught me. He says, "You know what the best thing to do is? It's just." smile and give him a peace sign he says it drives him nuts i actually i actually do that that's what i do on the road that's what i do on the road if someone's really aggressive i just do a thumbs up signal um uh, somebody in the chat room some guy from idaho is actually suggesting we might have got the symbol wrong and he thinks that gesture uh, means hello how's your mother in which case it's a very nice symbol i don't know why esteban's getting upset See, didn't D- David Coulthard taught us this in 2001 at Magnico while he was racing Michael Schumacher that waving the middle flag means he's going to pass him in a lap's time. We'll see. There you go. Okay, let's, you go. let's go to the chat room, which has uh, repopulated because I bothered tweeting that we were live. Uh, you can go to spannersready.com forward slash live stream and find out exactly when we're going to be on, if I have updated it, which I do try to do. Fortis is saying Lewis said he was overly cautious in the second phase of the start because he didn't want any wheel spin. Ah, so he initially got a very good start and then he was cautious and that let Rosberg sort of get his nose back head. That's interesting. Uh, there's a lot of talk in there about uh, the about the about how much to lift off and stuff, but I'll be honest, I'm not as good at to- as Tony. Uh, one of you needs to uh, get on top of the chat room and now that they're back on it Chris I interrupted you did you? oh no it's alright that's fine we can go on to it was, this... about, it was about Coulthard and the bird I finished that point okay that's fine oh, that's let's okay. go on to the second part of the race well you know the second part as I'm deeming it why not when you finished with this check out the Downforce radio feed I think it's downforce-radio.co.uk if you're a fan of other racing series ones where they have little hats 
on the top of the cars or where they only have half the correct amount of wheels, then the place to go is Downforce Radio. You can, they are, they are truly the nation's motorsport station. I nearly forgot their tagline there. That's why that sounded scruffy. Okay. So the Mercedes race, one of the intriguing strategy points uh, that me and Matt were talking about was why did Lewis Hamilton, when he went onto the softs, mysteriously lose pace? allowing Rosberg to not only catch up, but also creating a Hamilton train and and have Ricardo bear down on them. Now, I'll present my theory first, Matt. I know you have a counter one. My initial thoughts were, were just, oh, he's going slow. Yeah, there's a bit of a problem. But what happened was, as soon as Ricardo pitted early, probably about four laps earlier than he needed to, suddenly, mysteriously, Lewis Hamilton had pace again. And before... Ricardo had gone into the pits. The Merck team were on the radio saying, "Hey, Lewis, you, you know you gotta you gotta hurry this up. The, Ricardo is coming, coming. The gap is closing. If you don't hurry up, we're going to bring Nico in first. Now, with a, an, a potential undercut, that's a bit of a threat. That's saying get on with it, or Nico's going to be the the first guy in. He might undercut you, and he'll have the lead of the race. And there's not much probably he could have done about it after that. He's arguing on the radio saying." Well, no. Why would they? Why would they pit that early? Uh, I'm I'm going as fast as I can. I'm I'm not going. I've not got a problem. I'm trying to go quickly. Then, as soon as Ricardo pits, suddenly Hamilton finds the pace again, and I'm thinking, wow, he has spent that whole time backing Nico Rosberg up into Daniel Ricardo. Ricardo, and from a Mercedes point of view, you're like, you utter bugger. That's your teammate. Uh, you're ruining our chances of a one-two. From a championship point of view. Yo, clever boy. Clever boy, Ryan. Yeah, and it's it's not the first time we see uh, saw this. I think if I memory served me correctly, we saw this last year. He did it to uh uh Rosberg, I think he was backing it into the Ferraris at China last season. So it's yep. definitely not the first time we've seen it. Chris I I think I know what Matt's gonna say i i think he's going to present the argument about saving um engines is is that no no go on Matt. go on Matt. you do is there you you do your theory about saving engines then chris okay well i mean we know that lewis is in a bit of a dire situation when it comes to engines you know he's taken on a lot of extra turbochargers with all the uh, mistakes in qualifying we know he's got to take a few penalties along the line and a from what we've gathered, Lewis is going to take two new engines on at Spa. Yeah. Start the back of the grid. Yeah. It's a track where it's rel- you know, relatively easy to overtake. There's a good chance he'll still be on the podium. So yeah. I, I, he's just trying to save anything he could on the engine to try and eke out every last kilometer he can on every engine he has. Because... I don't think you can really deny he was driving well within himself yeah. in that race. Well, he seemed to be on the super softs, and then on the softs, that pace seemed to mysteriously disappear. Now, you're saying he might be thinking about his engine and trying to make it eke it out. Uh, so then, obviously, he had it in hand for when Ricardo came in to go, right, let's avoid the undercut. Let's Let's both get away from here. Now, Matt has a different theory, which, as soon as he presented it, I was like, yeah, dude. Yes. Well, if one was being particularly clever, and let's set the stage for this. The radio call came to Lewis. 
he needed to go faster. He was slower than Ricardo. Ricardo was coming at Rosberg and him. Yeah. And his pace picks up to a point, maybe about half a second faster a lap. And then he gets another call, the call that you would not want to get if you were in front, that if you don't go even faster, your teammate gets the undercut and you're going to be relegated to P2, assuming you can hold that position. And from that point, he added, he took another half second off his lap time. But the result of that radio call was that Red Bull immediately brought Ricardo in for tires because they assumed that either Hamilton or Rosberg, one would presume, was vulnerable to an immediate undercut, which had the effect of not only putting him out three or four laps early on tires that were going to have to go longer, but also of sticking him right back into the middle of a whole passel of traffic that he had to thread his way through. And no sooner had Red Bull done this, then miraculously, the Mercedes were a full second a lap faster than him, and neither one of them had any problems at all. And I'm just <laughs> saying Sunk. that the possibly the most satisfying explanation for this was that Mercedes was just having a bit of fun with Red Bull on the pit wall. Now, well, I, I, I hate to say, I hate to immediately go and crash my own party, but it was very clear from listening to the post-race interviews that that probably was not what was going on. But I did truly love the idea of it very much during the race. Ricardo also hinted that he thought that might have been the case. Chris? Well, I, I, from from what I heard after the race, that the Red Bull was actually uh, pitting that early to fend off Seb Vettel, which... It's a, it's a little bit worrying. It's actually, a bit defeatist, isn't it? It, it well, because we we went into well, not so much Spanners, but I certainly went into this thinking that oh yeah, Red Bull can win the race here. And Ricardo felt that pole was on the cards for him if he managed to finish his uh, lap in Q three. And I was a little bit disappointed by their race pace, especially after because it looked better on Friday, it has to be said. So to then say like oh, we're not going to attack. Mercedes, we're just going to consolidate third. It's yeah. a little bit disappointing. It's very disappointing for F1 fans. I'll roll back to that in a second, but I must just say, this is the first time this has happened. We've got a Missed Apex Facebook group, uh, which got 158 people in there. Search Missed Apex Podcast on Facebook, and you can be the 159th member. It's quickly becoming my favorite Facebook group. It already is. I'm lying. Uh, but Phil Allen has posted a link in there in the on the live stream post, which says that Toto Wolf thinks that Lewis Hamilton might have been overmanaging his tyres because they had been lecturing the boys to make sure to look after his tyres, uh, after their tyres, and perhaps Lewis had kind of taken that a bit too much to heart. But again, that strikes me very much as a lie. I, I still like the way Matt's going. But uh, rolling to this Red Bull resurgence, you hinted that we'd been arguing offline about it. And yeah, I mean, you guys, a lot of you are so keen that Red Bull will catch up this gap. Uh, and it, it just seems it's more like in hope than expectation because I know people were saying Red Bull thought they had this race in the bag. But last week, if you're new to the podcast, listen to Tech Time, listen to Summer's F1, explaining how much he thinks Mercedes have got in the bag. And that is echoed in the chat room by... Sorry, somebody else reminded me of that point. Oh, here we go. Uh, Bar Snarf. Uh, Summer said last week that they can they can just cover off anything anyone's got because 
they've pretty much done developments uh, for next year. Oh, God, they did a whole clever thing about things being in a file drawer. Listen back to Mr. Apex last week, Chris. The thing is, when we made a lot of these comments about Red Bull, you know, especially after their Monaco performances as well, it would kind of make sense that they would be equally competitive at the Hungara ring, which is dubbed the Monaco without the walls. And um, I have to say, I don't think many of us really expected Mercedes to make another leap forward at um, Silverstone. I think they um, brought some new bits. Um, and not, it's nothing obvious with Mercedes. They never bring anything, you know, quite big and larry and oh, look at our new parts. It's all subtle. Yeah, but it, it's things. been obvious for a long time that, as some has said, it's called rubber. They've been rubber banding. They've been managing that gap to their competitors. So every time it looks like they're edging closer, they can just bring something out of the drawer that they've been working on. They're that far ahead, uh, Matthew. Where shall we go now? Because I think the Red Bull resurgence is dead. We can forget about that for the rest of the season. Well, but then that brings up a whole separate question, which is Red Bull versus Ferrari. Who's really in front now? I think Red Bull. I think Red Bull have it, but mainly because Ferrari. You don't think so? Or is it just the tracks they've been at? Is it just, yeah. I mean, we know that Silver, I think Silverstone was a one-off for Ferrari. I'll be honest with you. The change in the tire procedures caught them out and it caught them hard they looked much better Vettel thought he had p3 in the bag until Alonso's spin I'm very curious to see on race pace where Ferrari is actually compared to Red Bull because I'm not as convinced as all that that Red Bull really have them at every track yet no but I will say this and I hope it's not too harsh on Ferrari fans that Red Bull are the better outfit Red Bull are gonna exploit uh you're nodding with me there Ryan, go on, say things that agree with me. I like it when you do that. Yeah, I reckon uh, Red Bull, well, they've they've always had a good chassis. Um, and it seems that uh, now they've uh, replaced the uh, lettering on the side of their uh, car that says Renault to now tag. They seem to be going quicker than last season. But, um, yeah, definitely uh, Red Bull this season have shown that they're actually stronger than Ferrari. And it seems Ferrari seem to be lacking this season. Yeah, but I think if you gave Ferrari and Red Bull equal cars the same car the red bull outfit would manage the races would manage everything just better than ferrari ferrari would find a way they'd just drill a hole in the side of the car inexplicably for some reason uh yes uh, uh definitely it would always seem that uh when uh ferrari have uh it done and dusted and in the bag that everyone reckons that somehow the strategy team will suddenly do something that would screw them over as, as what has happened this season okay well that's uh that's actually taking us a little bit longer than i thought it was going to uh but let's go on to the next major talking point <laughs> After my awkward and fumbled request that you go to SpannersReady.com to the Contact Us page and support us on Patreon, we did have two people then sign up and support us on Patreon. I cannot tell you what that means to me uh, when you guys are doing that. I'll, I will remember to get the names and give a shout out next week. But please, please know that it's very much appreciated and getting well towards the goal of not losing money overall on the project of SpannersReady.com and Missed Apex podcast. Very close to, you know, not being 
something my wife can give me a lot of abuse about. Uh, we've we've uh, we've run quite a bit longer than I thought we were going to, Matt. But there was a great battle. There was a great battle with Kimmy and Max Verstappen, and I have to say, Kimmy showed heart today. I'm not a Kimmy fan. I've given him a lot of abuse, and he may not have ultimately pulled it off. But he was he was he was a lion today. There was no chilled chilled out Kimmy Raikkonen, and he was angry and he was fired up. Oh yeah, he he was most displeased with the driving standards of young Max. That is certainly true. And it was by far the best late innings battle that we saw on track. What do you what do the young people think about that battle? Because there was two there was two points. There was one where he lost his end plate coming up to turn two where he sort of tried to go both ways, ended up tr- settling on the outside and getting his wing locked off. And then there was another aggressive move into turn one where you could say Max moved in the braking zone. Chris, you're leaning forward, so I think you're you're trying to say a thing. Yeah, I think Max defends very late, very aggressively. And it's borderline you know, illegal sometimes, <laughs> you know, you are, you are allowed one move across the track. And I have to say that in the turn two incident where Kimmy lost a bit of his front wing, I do have to say that Max made a second late defensive move in the breaking zone. I think that was a little bit unfair. Um, surprised the stewards didn't look at it actually, but yeah, fair play. Maybe they just put it down as a, a racing incident. Um, Matt, do you want to get in? I was going to say, as he did several laps later when Kimmy went off in uh, the exit of turn one, he did wait until Raikkonen was committed to a line yeah. and then decided to move over there just as Raikkonen was arriving. And I, I think this is the basis of his complaint. Ryan, how did you see it? Yeah, I sort of saw, yeah, it was very borderline, uh, like illegal. And it sort of seems that where most drivers seem to second guess where the driver's going to go, then move that way. It seems like has already been said, uh, the driver behind will move and then Verstappen will move. But I think what really messed up, uh, we saw a lot, we heard some whining from Verstappen. Uh, uh, it seemed that, uh, he was going, oh yeah, Kimmy should be getting penalties because I, I swear I've seen him several times going off, uh, going over track limits and all that sort of stuff. And everyone's like, I'll oh, get on with it, kiddo. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and so, uh, yeah, I think it's what possibly messed things up for Kimmy was the, when he, went for the move on turn one, he went over the sawdust from the crash that happened in the Porsche Cup race, which caused him to go even further offline. Yeah. So for me, the key one in that in that uh, second incident into turn one was that Verstappen made the defence in the braking zone. And as far as I understand it, once you're in that braking zone, you have to hold your line. You can't change your line. And he can't argue that that was him naturally going towards the apex. That was a definite move into the inside line. Uh, but again, the stewards are are not have not taken action on that. And I did a lot of reading after Barcelona um, because you know a Hamilton fanboy, so I was trying to justify his actions and pin it all on Nico Rosberg. And uh, it, there's again, there's very clear rules on the straight. There's very clear rules of what you could do in the braking zone. Once you get into the apex and the corner, it seems to be very much dependent on the stewards' opinion based on a kind of historic F1, uh, you know, like word of mouth, like fables, that the rules are, there's a, 
I read a very good article on WordPress, which I want to talk about on a future show, where it was talking about, well, generally, it's when someone's alongside by this much, etc., etc., And then it, it seems to be down to how the steward interprets that. But I think, Matt, we definitely need a rules of engagement show to talk about all the different aspects of overtaking. I think that would be brilliant. Yes, I think we'll, we'll do that. Let's see if we can get Nigel Mansell on, because I like him. He'll come on, big Nigel. Why would he not? <laughs> oh, look, you're darlicking a little bit. I don't know. I think it's likely to be my fault than your fault. You're in America. You've got 250 megajillion terabits a second. Let's move on. The last major talking about I want to talk about, and we're not going to have time for all the any other business, was Button's team radio, guys. So big chat, big chat after Nico Rosberg got his 10 place, a grid penalty. Everyone's now whining that Jensen Button got a similar penalty. Button was whining like a little tiny girl. No disrespect to little tiny girls. He was. Oh, come on. He misunderstood completely what he was getting a penalty for. He thought he was getting... Chris is getting very animated on the other side. I'm going to keep talking for a bit. He was getting very angry, saying, oh, can they not see it's a safety issue off I've got no brakes? No. He got the penalty for being told how to manage the gears. And it's a slam dunk. See, this is, we're going to keep coming back to this every single thing because it's just, it's ridiculous. This scrutineering of the team radio for, I think about most of the season now, we've, everybody's sort of come to the agreement that we don't want to see driver coaching. This is a big no, no, but these cars are so fantastically complex that you can't really expect um you know the driver to handle everything himself i think martin brundle put it perfectly that if they oh right internet problems now not just from matt but also from chris stevens so i'm thinking it's at my end guys uh so chris is continuing to talk he obviously can't hear me telling him that it's bad can anyone hear me no, yeah, I can. Oh, okay, good. It's Chris Stevens' fault. Oh, good. I do prefer it when it's Chris <laughs> Stevens' fault. Anyway, at least... I, well, I, I think I can go ahead and just pick up and finish his point for him because yeah. it's so easy. Oh, right, no, fine. Go ahead, Ryan. You young should have your turn. I know you get all pissy well, about that. The thing that I, I was thinking about was uh, back when it happened at Silverstone for Rosberg, the bit that he didn't get into trouble about was the bit when they told him what he had to do on the steering wheel yeah, and tell him he can't yeah. use uh, uh, seventh gear. The bit that got him into trouble was, well, what, does it, what do I do? Do I, sh- uh, do I shift through? And they say, yes, shift through. Now, the thing was, what, hap- what I heard from what happened with Button was it sounded very much uh, similar to what happened at the start of the Rosberg thing where they said, you can't... Uh, uh, you're stuck something along the lines of you're stuck in gear and can't change gear. Yeah. Now that seems about the same as what yeah. we heard, Rosberg was told that was okay. So why is that all of a sudden not right? Uh, and no, you went through the pit. Go on, Matt. All right. So they updated the rules. They they made it very clear that yeah. if you give any instructions, yeah. it can only be in the pit lane, but you don't actually have to stop. You simply so basically it's the equivalent of a drive through penalty. I drive yeah. through the pit lane, you can tell me how to solve my problem. However, the problem button had was he had basically a total loss of hydraulic pressure, at least as far as the car was concerned. That's a problem because then the car won't do squat for him. Yeah. And he reset it because it, he failed the sensor that gave him that information. And car didn't actually have a total loss of hydraulic pressure. Having failed the sensor, his brake pedal was still long. And this is where the problem started. He was calling to ask about that. And they told him as part of dealing with 
oh, my brake pedal's touching the floor. What should I do about that? I've already failed the sensor not to shift the gears. And my yeah. understanding is that was what got him into hot water with the stewards. But what I don't understand was he came into the pit lane yeah. anyway and took on a new set of tires. He was already so far behind the race. And then after that, they then gave him another drive-through penalty. Yeah, but <laughs> until this car gave it up on lap sixty. So what a great afternoon for Jensen. No, I know. But to me, that made absolute that made absolute sense to me because he can someone monitor the chat room and see if they who they're yelling at. Uh, but to me, it made absolute sense. They gave him an instruction that was against the rules. What they should have said to him was, Jensen, you have a critical failure. Come into the pits. As he came into the pits, they could then could have given him the correct instructions. This is different to Silverstone. They updated it. It was clear. Even I understood it. Even I understood it. Now, the the penalty has to be different from the stop where he comes in and changes his tyres because that's not a drive-through. It wasn't a five-second penalty where they delay him for five seconds. It was a drive-through. And then that's why he had to come in again. Had they just said, come in, and then as he came into the pits, they could have been talking to him the whole time whilst he was getting his tyres changed, giving him instructions on how to rectify the fault. And that's the get-out clause that the that the, the rules laid down in the regs. And that's how I see it. Boom. I don't think there's an argument to that. I think I laid it down so well. Well, the argument would be, isn't not having brakes kind of critical? Yes, and it is absolutely critical. And, and the, if and it's critical, you're allowed to instruct no, the driver. But no, 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 listen. What you're missing yes, is yes, that, yes. that instruction has to include the words, come into the pits. So they could have said, you've got a critical issue with your brakes. You need to come into the pits. And then they could have sorted it all out from there. And that was very, very clear, clearly laid out beforehand. So, yes, with Perez, where he they were saying, oh, we couldn't tell him about the brakes. Uh, no, the, the, the rules didn't say you can't tell them about a critical failure. But that instruction must include the words, come into the pits or retire the car. So you're saying he got the penalty because the engineer failed to tell him to come into the pits, even though he came into the pits. No, no, no. He got the penalty because he got told how to manage the gears alongside that fault which he should have which was part of dealing with the critical sensor failure which they're allowed to talk about no no because he didn't include in that radio message that you had to come into the pits which is what the rules clearly so you're saying because the engineer didn't say the magic words (laughs) he got an extra penalty i think i've made my point chris (laughs) this conversation just Mm. proves how ridiculous this whole thing is there it's you go. So ridiculous. I'm sorry. We're, instead of talking about racing, we're sitting here and saying, "Oh, then he, I'll break that. Oh, I'm thinking he's allowed to say that on the team radio." Oh, yeah, but well, there's, there's a, a fifty-seven but, things here that he can't say. But there's a rule. But there's a rule. If there's a rule, but you it's can't, a stupid rule. Yeah, but that, it doesn't matter. If it's a stupid rule, you can't just go. Ah, do you know what? That that's a daft rule. We'll just ignore that today. Because then, if they did that with Lewis Hamilton, oh, Lewis Hamilton's been favourite. He, he's the favourite. Oh, Rosberg, he's the favourite. You ignored the rule for him. If there's a rule which has been laid down clearly, you got to follow it. That's that's otherwise, what is the point in having rules? We're not Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> what? What did I say? <laughs> okay, guys. Okay, come on then. Make your last point, Chris. You have the last word. The F. Okay, the FIA. Okay, the teams are saying the cars are too complex for us to not be able to communicate with the drivers in situations like this. The FIA said we'll make the cars simpler. Like you designed these cars. This is this is your doing, and so the FIA. I think it's the FIA's duty to do something about it. Excellent. Okay, and actually, we'll let the chat room have the last word. Uh, some guy from Idaho says 
I love that name, says uh, Spanners is correct. He's the smartest guy in the room. Second McLaren failure. Do you know, you know, I, I don't think there are, I can't see any other comments actually there. Interestingly, that's the only comment that, that stood out to me. Let's move on to the podium. So obviously I'm a happy man because Lewis Hamilton won the race. I'll quickly run through that. Palmer was unhappy. He was in the points. He was doing very well. But I would suggest that there was a reversion to the mean as he lost it on the entry to turn four. Uh, I would say that there was a terrible camera angle that they kept using again and again where they had a camera shot that started in the Armco barrier. And you thought, there's something wrong with my TV. It's just great. And then they would pan out to the cars approaching. And I fell for that three or four times where I oh, what's going on? What's going on with my TV? Something's wrong. Gutierrez ignoring blue flags. We did cover that. Hamilton's middle finger, I must say. I do not condone flipping the bird on live TV. Matt? Two wrongs not making a right. He shouldn't have done it. it. was not classy. I think he might have been spending too much time in the US where they hand out <laughs> things like this at sporting events. That and being a such cap. such yeah. su- such things are more common, but he Gutierrez did get penalised, which means he did ignore the flags. He so, did, he did. Yeah. But yes, two wrongs uh, don't make it right. Lewis's post race interview. I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this a long time, telling the pit wall to stop panicking. And why have you put a thing in about cycling? Yes, well, to go to Lewis's thing. To be very clear, he made it obvious from his point of view he was managing his engines and tires looking all the way ahead to Spa and the end of the season. Like, he made it very obvious. I had settings on my car that I knew made me slow, but if I waited, I would be fast enough. He was making it as obvious. He was rubbing Rosberg's <laughs> ego into that over and over I, and I know, over. and as a Hamilton fan, I know what he said, but I will maintain that that is a lie, and he was just backing Rosberg up. Well, you may believe what you want, but the real congratulations have to go to Andre Greipel for winning today's stage of the Tour de France. And, of course, Chris Froome and Team Sky for winning the whole darn thing. Way to go, lads. Oh, and Peter Sagan, my personal favorite, green jersey. Mayo Vert for the win. Did he do the green beard thing again? No, he did not. But he just about beat Greipel to the line in the best Oh, they had this camera that went right alongside the spinners as they came up to the line. And it was the best shot I've ever seen of uh, Finnish in cycling, having been to a few myself on the actual bike. We interrupt this F1 show to talk about push bikes for some reason. Awards time. The concept stolen from Filmsack. I'll give credit where it's due. Go and listen to Filmsack. Search it on your podcatcher. It's very good. They do awards at the end of the show. And now I do too. Who is your thing of the week, Matt? Who is your thing? I My thing of the weekend, there is no question. It has to be the pit crew for Renault who managed to take Julian Palmer pitting after Sergio Perez and get him out in front boom yeah done that was like the most exciting two seconds of the race Mm, controversial let's see what the rest of the internet makes of that ryan ferris who's your thing of the weekend uh i'm gonna say alonso you know purposely you know turning off the track to uh make everyone else do slower lap times and qualify (laughs) you saying he parked it he did a (laughs) schumacher he did a schumacher monaco and just yeah you know rascas I think. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, Chris Stevens, who's your thing of the weekend? 
Uh, my thing of the weekend is Pokemon Go. I've managed to catch um, six Pokemon just in the space of this podcast. <laughs> Four of them were Pidgeys. It's rubbish. I have no idea what that means. I, I hope it's uh, safe for work. Yeah. I'm going to assume it is. If you're going to play Pokemon on the podcast, I insist that you have to catch them all. My thing of the weekend is McLaren, who proved today that in mixed conditions, on a track that massively disguises their terrible engine, they kind of do Okay, and for all the McLaren fans out there who've been hoping and praying since 2014 that they might pop up and do something half-decent ever, today was sort of a victory in the loosest possible sense. Uh, let's go on to the bad thing. Oh no, you missed the apex. Ryan, who missed the apex? Uh, it's got to be Palmer, possibly, you know? Yeah. After getting into top 10 and everyone's like, whoa, Palmer's in top 10. Oh, he's just spun off. Yeah, it it is. I mean, you could see how disappointed he was. And it's, I think it is completely fair to say that he's he's underwhelmed. He's underperformed. He's been outraced, outqualified by his teammate very regularly in what I will grant you is a challenging car. Uh, but he, he really had he had the chance today to lay down a mark and go, no. This is me. This is my arrival in F1. That pig of a car that doesn't get uh, out of Q1, and I'm in the points. Shut up, everyone. He had that chance, and and he and he failed. Chris Chris Stevens, not Chris Palmer. Who missed the apex for you? That's the bad thing. Um, for me, it was Force India. Just a poor weekend. No pace. Um, a lot of pit stop errors. Errors coming into the pits, and yeah. nobody was there to greet him. I love that. Um, so, which is. Did you see it on the radio afterwards? And he's going, so guys, what happened with the pit stops? And they're like, uh, yeah, confirm, Nico. Uh, sorry, confirm, Checo. Uh, just uh, get on with it, yeah? Yeah. But... <laughs> that, uh, no, guys, uh, that's the very question. Where You've got one job in pit stops, and that is to at least be there. Matt, who missed the apex for you? Um, I think it had to be Verstappen. Yeah. No, that that for me, like not keeping your car still while they're trying to change the, the wheel. That, that's just about as bad as it gets. And 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 to my mind, this put him out, even with Vettel who passed him, and then Kimi who passed him, and then that was the end of his race. Yes, Hulkenberg made a similar mistake, but but that was with the clutch, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so for me, Verstappen like letting his car creep while they were trying to change this is just bad. Palmer was also my missed apex person, and I couldn't be bothered to think of one at short notice. Uh, the second from last award. Uh, it was close. It, I nearly gave it to Kimi Raikkonen's ma- epic, epic whine about Max weaving all over the place and basically saying, if he does it again, I'm just going to crash into him. Now that, that, that is deserving of a pony award until Max Verstappen told on Kimi. <laughs> he's, he's going out of track limits. Teacher, teacher. Yeah. So definitely for me, don't snitch. That's like lesson one of the schoolyard. They're not going to talk to him at dinner time now. Uh, it was brutal. But you know what? I, I'd give him that same award, but for his driving like a grandma comment, to which Ooh, my reply is, yeah. well, you ought to go faster in qualifying then. Yeah. Or just overtake your teammate. <laughs> this is your problem. And uh, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm, I'm going to ignore Ryan's suggestion for comment of the week because that's from a racing driver and I feel it should come from the chat room. So this but week's... It's funny. It is fun. Go on, you tell me what it is and I'll tell you what the real one is. So essentially, Sky Sports were telling uh, Max Verstappen, uh, oh yeah, Kimi had some uh, words about you on uh, Team Radio about your defence. And so Max uh, replied to, oh, well, it's nice to hear Kimi speaking for once. (laughs) Actually, that would have been a contender. But actually, this week's comment of the week is from the chat room. 
comment of the week. And it's one I've said before. It's the comment that says Spanners is correct.、Uh, he's the smartest guy in the room.、Uh, that's that's the new rule now.、Uh, compliments get you comment of the week. Comment of the week. Chris Stevens, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at cstevens underscore journal on Twitter and find my articles at formulaspy dot com. Some of them are okay, Ryan. People, All of them are brilliant. Controversial,、uh, Ryan. You are at ferret one one five. That's it, not et. Yes, indeed, on yeah. Twitter. Yeah, and、uh, maybe I'll find you soon if I if I've passed muster. Maybe for some commentary, I'll take it seriously. I promise. Oh yes, I would love to be、uh, commentating along you,、uh, Spanners. Along me? No, that's not how commentary works. Matt Trumpets, what are you plugging? What you, you're always pushing? You're like the the internet equivalent of the guy who pulls open his long jacket and there's like Rolexes and diamonds and stuff. What what you what you're shipping this time? Oh, you know exactly what I'm shipping. My wife's books. The more you buy, the sooner I can retire. People. Amanda Weaver on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or wherever your favorite ebook store is. Go buy as many copies as you can afford, please. Yeah, and follow her at Amanda Weaver writes because she regularly a- Weaver writes. I think I don't know Amanda Weaver writes because she regularly takes marital pot shots about our dear Matt Trumpets、uh, on Twitter, which are very very enjoyable. I will urge you to follow me at Spanners Ready.、Uh, come to SpannersReady dot com. We have got a ton of content、uh, on there. We've got a very talented young man called Stephen Williams doing race reviews and some news. Uh, of course, we've got the old guard. We've got Fortis upsetting everyone with articles about Jensen Button.、Uh, these are the opinion piece guys.、Uh, we've got Carlo Caluccio with his history.、Uh, well on the way to recovery. We'll be back in full force soon. We've got the fat hippo who、uh, does his hippo rants, and you can see because he always puts a picture of a hippo on his articles. It's at a Weaver writes, and I'm just curious since you actually remembered to do comment of the week. What are we going to talk about after you play the last bumper? Well, I don't know. We'll have to think of something. Perhaps the comments about people's mothers in the chat room that have cropped. I'm glad that's back.、I'm、glad that's the thing again.、Uh, find us on Facebook,、uh, Missed Apex Podcast. And do you know I write occasionally on there. I do Spanners Log.、Uh, I have my bets、uh, before each race. I tell you where to put your five pounds. For the race, and you know what? We even got Matt Trumpets to write an article about Formula E, setting the tone for season three, where we will be covering Formula E in the form of words that you see rather than hear. I think I've covered all the bases, Matt. I think you have. Yeah. Well, this bit's going to be a, a bit awkward. That's a very American analogy, right? Because baseball wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This has been Missed Apex. I didn't drink for two weeks, but I'm totally drinking again now. And I have to say that the the drinking phase is a lot better than the not drinking phase.、Yeah. Cheers to that! Cheers, boys. Cheers. Bye. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.